finally brought you here. Behold, Forge the Narrative. Hey everybody, welcome to Forge the Narrative. My name is Paul, your host for the Ball Lost Podcast. I'm joined by Adam Camilleri. G'day. Tanya Gates and Red Powell. Hey everybody. What up? We're here to be zen and balanced and oh. at peace. As all things should be, perfectly As balanced. The Eldari received their fourth nerf. <laughs> yeah. Of course, we we use that term, and unless actually it'd be a, a good thing to kind of explore that term of nerfing and balance and an evolving game and how this game is kind of is different than like maybe a traditional board game you would just have on your shelf where the rules remain static and that kind of stuff. Uh, but we have with the with the routine battles uh, data slates that we're getting, it does seem like there is a desire to give an even play experience to all players across all factions. Yep. And, you know, did it work? Are we there? <laughs> uh, almost. All right. we, uh, <laughs> the, 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 there was uh, just, just the, the, the hot takes from the, the, the squeaky, crunchy top of the meta. They, we are one half step away from probably being in a pretty close to well-balanced, dare I say, golden age of 10th edition where everything kind of can hang. Oh, I thought you still going to say few... Necrons all the time. That is, what, that is in fact what we have because oh. that's the one step they didn't take. <laughs> so, uh, what if, if they that's just... just the natural conclusion of all things anyways? Well, the Necrons were going to win in the end. Right. <laughs> no matter what we did. <laughs> yeah, so like, what if, what if they've, I mean, again, like, we all just kind of caught on, like it was going that way regardless. The, what, what, what if all now that now that the end and the death, the last, the last book is out. Not that I've oh. read it yet. Um, oh, now I'm the last book is it. out. They can give up on trying to to make out that there was actually a, a war to be won and just let the Necrons win in the the forty first millennium. <laughs> it's just over. The Necrons win, guys. Pack it all up. We're we're done. <laughs> I don't want to segue. I want to talk. Keep talking about the balance data slate but i do want to talk at the end of the show a little bit about the end of the death volume two and i want to try to do it in a way that does not give any spoilers i wish you the best of luck with that yeah me too <laughs> I, I i've called it the the moby dick of uh the siege of terror in, in the fact that if you actually never mind <laughs> we'll get there we'll get there <laughs> that was a that was a layout that i couldn't in good conscience yeah. put put in the ring <laughs> i feel like you said too much already yeah we, yeah, we will yeah, get there yeah towards the end of the show and we'll give like sufficient warnings if anyone wants to spoiler out but I, i'm gonna try my best time to give you spoilers but uh, on the balanced data slate there have been like a bunch of point changes and, and, and of course you know i was kind of joking about the aldari but the, you know there's been some big changes with the aldari that um like in a series of successive changes and i, I will also be honest is i kind of thought the Eldari were in a pretty decent spot after the last update, uh, but it's been pushed a little bit further. Yeah, there was still, um, I mean, statistics-wise, percentage to percentile win rate rise. They were still the most successful, best faction of the last. Well, since the since tenth edition has launched, like they're mm-hmm. the undeniable kings. They had have had contenders at points, but they are the one at the top of the mountain, you know, consistently since launch. And so I think there's just been a, you know, this flavor is getting stale feel to, sure. to Eldar that they need to just like knock them down again um i thought they were getting reasonable um uh, but i i do think more nurse and more balance options were warranted after the previous one and now i think they're probably about right and what we're talking about specifically is like fewer fate dice yes um, and then a point increase on night spinners and 
uh, the Wraith Guard and you know some other changes. Yin- I mean, if you want to talk about some other yeah. changes too, but well, Yinkan can no longer uh, you know whack them all, all over the freaking table in the same turn. It's once per turn, which is fantastic. The, and the issue with the Yinkan was that it was one of the true feel bad mechanics still left in the game. Um, if you yeah. were able to execute that play properly, the Yinkan pops up in your you know the Eldari player's shooting phase because the night spinners have killed something or you know war walker's got an angle on a rhino bang there's the yinkan yinkan kills one of your best units and then you know in another combat you go and you charge five scouts with whatever it is and then yinkan pops over to where the five scouts were and completely safe from reprisal and it was one of the worst most annoying interactions that we still had in the game so i'm very happy they've uh, hit knocked that one on the head yeah uh, that was like the games boiled down to like in-car management for the first turn and a half, two turns of the game. Exactly right. Yeah, exactly right. And I mean, then then we had <laughs> then we had some majestically awful top table games where it was Yinkan versus Yinkan, and we were just like, "What are we doing?" <laughs> <laughs> whoever whoever they uses their Yinkan first loses. Yeah. So essentially, Yinkan's not on the table, and it was just it was just very stupid. Yeah, and some of the like the the shenanigans with Wraithguard been changed as well. Uh, like their shootback yes. ability has uh, been yep. kind of reined in just a little bit. Still exists, but reined in to where you can only shoot at the yep. unit that targeted them. And Phantasm now is no longer you get a normal move, so it's no longer your move in value. It is a roll of d6. So it's no longer, you know, assured knowledge, assured knowledge of where you're going to be, perfect knowledge of the outcome. You have to, you know, pop yourself out, take a risk, and then see if you get yourself into, into you know, relative safely or if you make it to the next objective or or whatnot. So big change there for Phantasm. Still a very good strategy. It's significant. Yeah, it's very significant. Still a very good strategy. In any other book, <laughs> that's like a yeah, good strategy. I mean, uh, <laughs> I've, you know, my blood surge with World Eater Berserkers and they're, Correct. like, as they get shot, I mean, it's always been a D6 for movement and... Uh, I've I've been perfectly okay with that. It's about time that other people are okay with that. So yeah. okay. I well, think so you're, the, you're hitting on the head is that uh, the the Eldari seemed like they were playing by a slightly different set of rules well, and and had like all kind of stats layered on top of their already lethal stats. The issue I think was that Eldari. Uh, so there's very there's a lot of comparable uh, I guess special rules on data sheets that that units have. Like so many armies have the you are minus to move, advance, and charge. Yeah, Aldari had the best version of that rule. There were so many versions of I'm going to run away if you get too close, or I'm going to fire and fade, or I'm going to blood surge. Aldari had the best version of that rule. Um, there are so many things that say, oh, this one guy gets a six, you know, or something like that. Eldari had the best version of that rule. They they had the best version of every kind of version of the rule that they had. And sure, so now yep. a lot of those have been a lot of been towed back to be in line with what everyone else has. So Night Spinner now does exactly the same as a Basilisk, because exactly the same as a bunch of other different things. It's just minus two to move, advance, and charge, uh, which is perfectly reasonable. Everyone's got it. It's a uh, it's totally straight up and down now. Um, and Eldar players are going to be gnashing their teeth, being like ah, shaking their fists at the gods, and we're all going to get our little violins out at the same time. <laughs> beautiful, perfect harmony. And he just serenade that dying race. Do y'all think that the point change of the nice spinners is enough to to have them vacate those to other units? I mean, with that with that change and then the points change. So the big so the biggest so yes and no. I still think nice spinners are fine. Mm-hmm. I think taking three of them is now a, a very big ask and probably off the table. So, uh, Six hundred and thirty points, so thirty of your army to take three of them. Um, is probably not not kosher. Um, one or two of them is, I think, perfectly perfectly acceptable and and debatable. One of them, sure, 
two of them maybe um i i wouldn't ne- i'd never advocate for three anymore but the the, the thing is that the, what they do now has changed also because what they used to do was by dint of using fate dice and a bunch of other things they used to just make the yinkan a reliable activate activatable tool yep and now the yinkan's worse as well so the the overall package has changed and so they're they're what they bring to the table what they're going to do for your army is also changing as well a little bit of utilities down in the fact that their um their ability got nerfed and also their points went up so take one see if you still like it then go to two or go to none that's probably my advice indirect fire is a is a big deal too i mean that's still like a really good thing and mm. the like if you're playing let's say with like the u.s open terrain setup you know kind of thing like you might find that you might place a premium on that indirect yeah. fire which means you may still take it more often than not so in the same way that marine players have been taking whirlwinds and that kind of stuff like well i'd say like there, there are some very clear to see overarching philosophies happening in this balanced data slate because to your point Paul, every single piece of indirect fire that was being taken in the game has gone up. Manticores, whirlwinds. The only one that went down was the, I think it's the rocket truck squig buggy, was the only indirect piece that I saw go down in points. They all <laughs> stayed the same, or if they were being taken Can you say judiciously, that again for me? Yeah, I just to Rocket truck squig buggy. Yeah. <laughs> just making yeah. sure I heard that correct. Thanks. Yeah. The rocker, the rocker, the Wu Tang clan. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I don't want to get a copyright strike. No, no. Don't no, that's fair. Yeah, we got to pick that <laughs> out now. Sheesh. Uh, so, but that's the the indirect fire proven to be really, really good, and every army was kind of taking them. And so, you know, maybe that is something to look at points wise. And uh, you know, we, the train matters. Like sometimes the third player. So if you're playing in that in that environment, you're probably still going to take them even with the points changes. Now, what goes around them, and I think you're you're exactly right. Like the packages, the efficiencies. Mm. Anytime points change or whatever, or you break it down, even like if you're playing narratively and you're playing with a comp system, it just changes what the efficiency equation looks like. Um, and that's that's I think this is what this is gonna gonna rock the boat is is the most is that people now will be like angling towards. And I don't mean that in a bad way, just towards a different level of efficiency. And I think people, like in any type of when change like this happens, I think a lot of people get um, a little bit out of shape because everyone loves change, but no one likes to be changed. Y'all heard me say that a lot. And that's like, and that becomes... I do. I do. <laughs> All right. Well, look, let's talk. Let's talk about that. But I feel I find that, you know, when you have to go back to the, the toolbox, you know, heck, I just finished three more aggressors painted, you know, I'm in the same boat. They're they're different, a little bit different now. And now we gotta have to go and figure out what the next best thing is. Uh, you know, or is there a best thing now? Are we getting towards everything's a fifty fifty percent win rate? If 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 they had a wrapped Necrons fairly on the knuckles, I think we would be extremely close to the what what's the term that they use in the war the um the articles? The um the Goldilocks zone yeah. of 45 yeah. to 55% because it's always going to be a disparity the meta is always going to kind of turn over and if every faction was in that there would uh, there would undeniably be armies on the 45% and armies on the 55% and then you know hopefully if we're all playing in a beautiful healthy meta where things evolve and codexes are deep and have options that would have some rotation to it uh, which we've even seen by the way we've even already seen some of that happen even if we do have had two very dominant factions for the last couple of months uh, I do think yeah if, unfortunately um, Necrons had 
fairly good matchups. Uh, sorry, as in like they had they had 50-50 strong-ish, you know, can win, can lose matchups versus Eldari and Chaos Space Marines. And now both of those factions have been, you know, uh, not quite not quite shot out of a cannon into the sun, but they've been given a fair hit. And the, the issue is, can something rise from the middle of the pack to now be a, a contender against Necrons? Because it's kind of undeniable that they're the best best faction in the game. I, I think it's pretty well accepted. And so, yeah, it just remains to be seen if uh, we can we can come together as a community and find some, you know, terms and conditions to put upon them. We need to find stuff that deals that kills Catan efficiently. We need to find things that kill race efficiently. We need to find things that, you know, deal with Hypercrypt Legion and, and all these other juicy Death, little bits that the Necrons bring. I mean, you know, it's in the name, right? I was just looking. So the win rate and win percentages that they're looking at is posted in the Worm community article. And at the top, you got Eldari with 56% on average. You got Blood Angels at the bottom, 45%. Uh, it's because the Blood Angels never get to play the Necrons and the Eldari because they're <laughs> bottom tables. After, no, I'm just kidding, of course. And, uh, but there's this is the kind of the stats they're looking at. And it yeah. does seem, it did jump out a lot of folks that the Necrons didn't get to necessarily get the same treatment. And then also well, the Adeptus Mechanicus kind of still left to yeah. wander off and playing the, I mean, the red it, dirt. It makes sense. Uh, we don't know when this document was written. In, in all likelihood, this document has been written. Sorry, all the points changes and the, the balance changes were written, you know, possibly a month, two months ago. And so they would not have had, or they may not have believed they had accurate data to adjust Necrons and adjust um, Adeptus Mechanicus. And we like that, by the way. We, the community, we like the fact that they're working off statistics, that they're working off data for these changes. That is a good thing. Like there's a theoretical okay. lab, you know. Yes. Yeah. We, sh we should have a name for the lab. Um, but uh, <laughs> The rules team. Too bland, huh? Too bland. <laughs> Too, yeah. too you, obviously accurate. You came in with a lot of enthusiasm either. with that, and I appreciate it. But that we do uh, respect it. Yeah, but I think we got to work. We got to work on that one. <laughs> like it was a really strong lead into exactly what they're called. Yeah. <laughs> um, Maybe it just really needs a good acronym like Rabble. You know, like Rules and Balance Lab. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, that's good. The the Rabble House. I that's like right. the idea yeah. of lab as if like they're trying to play the game wearing lab coats. Yeah, I do like that too. <laughs> yeah, big goggles. Yeah. And little like, beakers. Well, yes. They keep they keep yeah. knocking it over with their wizard sleeves. Yeah, <laughs> big old like what is it? The rubber gloves. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, um, but yeah, we like the fact that they work off stats and they they make these decisions on balance from an informed as informed in position the rabble house. as they can in the rabble house. Yes, yeah. in the rabble lab house, lab house. Yeah, um, the the lab is <laughs> you under can't the rabble say house. rabble lab house. It's the it's the it's not. That'd be like saying rabble lab lab house because okay. the L in rabble <laughs> it's the, is the it's lab. the ATM machine. Okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and 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 to the point. I, I mean, you know. You, I love the statement of whatever, like you, you, you have your own truth or whatever, but interpreting statistics is, I argue, sometimes more of an art form than it is a science. We got to, you know, what you, what you, what your overall goal. And I think there, and I think if you believe the overall goal is clear, is to actually create this, this play experience where any faction can, can roll up to any, you know, any table against any other player, or I shouldn't say player because player skill matters a, a whole lot, but any other faction can take a reasonably efficient list and fight another reasonably efficient list and have a shot of uh, any given Sunday type matchup. Sure. And, you know, maybe these, maybe these will do it. Maybe that's it. I mean, no, yeah. I, I, to that point, again, I, j all joking aside, my whatever Dunning Kruger jokes, um, I really do appreciate, you know, Adam, to your point that 
I think the community does appreciate the efforts that go into the development of a living rule set. It's not just this thing that we wait three years for them to come back to while they, they yes. do other stuff. Like they're they're yeah. they are constantly looking at it. They're trying to address it. I appreciate the the engagement. Uh, someone can always agree or disagree that they get it right or they're going in the wrong direction or whatever, but they are always seeking to improve. And I, th- I personally feel that they've been doing it for a while. You know, people can bring up the, the fifth edition jokes of like, well, I guess I'll just wait three years before I see any update to my <laughs> army or something. But we really yeah. are beyond that. I, I truly think we have enough data over the last five years to argue that they that's not even a thing i mean anybody that's come into it at this point can see that they are actively engaged but do you remember do you remember the days when let's say you had like a favorite unit in your army in fifth and sixth edition and then your codex came out and that unit was not good and then you were like you just knew you had years <laughs> of waiting years uh, howling banshees right? hardly enough for you, that you, i've yeah I've, you could, never put buy, them on the table know, <laughs> start and end marriages jobs gone and lost you know traveling overseas and your unit still sucks it's just <laughs> you know it, it's your favorite unit still blows and is on the shelf collecting dust um praise be we are not we are not in that um that environment anymore like everything every every three months any unit that you own could be a banger and i think that is only good for a miniatures game yeah, because the last thing you want to do is to buy an expensive model, put love, care, time into painting it, making it as good as you want it to be to reflect something that you adore about a piece of fluff or about how something moves on the tabletop, and then just be like, "Well, I've never that's never you know getting played." Um, I'm grateful for those uh, those twenty thirty hours I put into that. <laughs> that uh, sucks, you know. That's the biggest that's the biggest feel bad you could have if that's what you're playing for. Yeah, like, true. I mean, so if I'm you saying, just if like the model for the model, yeah, 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 so yeah. yeah. Yeah, like you know, cool, to, yeah. like vanity units and just you know, cool things you got to kind of get out of your head before you can move on to the next thing or whatever. I mean, there's plenty of people that play like that, like that. But we're talking about specifically match play. Like this, yeah. a lot of this uh, this conversation is around match play for that hunger and thirst for efficiency and uh, how do you get it, you know, and and what what's changed. Some other things Wanting changed. Wanting to be the very best, like no one ever was. <laughs> anyway, continue. What has changed? He's right. Uh, well, you know, things like uh, even Astro Militarum we're talking about with the, um, like the Manticores have been some other changes as well. Yeah. Manticores went up, uh, but the Astro Militarum playbook has been blown wide open and I'm so, uh, so excited. So you can now issue orders in, uh, the phase in which you disembark from a transport or arrive from reserve. So you can, the, the, the mechanized portion and the Scion, Tempesta Scion portion of your army now gets activated. It used to be, you know, your, your your unit that is getting ordered and your commander had to be standing there in the command phase. You know, might as well be next to each other, <laughs> you know, <laughs> within earshot for any of your special rules and any of your orders to take place. And now they've just opened up the playbook. I am so excited to get my guard on the table and play some games with it because I think um, you can do a lot now. Um, in there, we're all we're all treadheads, though. I mean, speak up, other treadies. Surely you're just as excited for me. Scions, baby. Scions do something. I know. No, I mean, I've been, I've been looking at Scions 
for for a hot minute, but I just shuffled him into a box. Now that you started talking about him, Adam, but uh, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, it, it's uh, I love him. I I I think Scions are. I mean, you know, they came out. The Cadian Shock Troops look great as kind of a revamped of the older models, and then the Kazarkin, of course, look awesome. But I do really have a. I really like the way the Scions came out and and their setup and build, and I do like how they play too. Um, and they can play out well. And I think that you're right. This, this whole, you know, disembarking is not, while it, they come out or they're considered to have made a normal move, they haven't made an actual normal move mm-hmm. and all the things that that entails. And I, I think that, that that plays across a lot of other distances, but I still think that that's, you can disembark and not just get immediately overwatched, which I think has some, some pretty good benefits that's nice. to being able to yeah. manage that too. Yeah. And with the changes in battle shocks and that kind of stuff, that's going to be an interesting thing. For sure. Uh, but, you know, more to come on that. Kind of uh, looking forward to, again, seeing what, what shakes out on the table. I love playing guard. I love the idea that some of the, some of the stuff didn't get touched, like a lot of the combos and everything mm. in the guard are, are still very much alive. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, so if, if Adam had to have his two factions to watch, you know, factions on the rise to watch from this uh, balance, everything, uh, Drakari and Custodes, absolutely. If you've got him, the chuck him back on the table. It's it's time to have another look. Let's talk about uh, Drakari in just one second and why you feel that way, but the Custodes did get some changes, you know, especially like in the in the points category cuz you know, they've they were doing really well for a period of time also and then got some adjustments. Yeah. So firstly, shout out to G-Dub and uh, the design team because when you go into the Minotaur field manual, it now has what has gone up denoted in red, what has gone down denoted in green. Thank you so freaking much. We don't have to, you know, go through it with a fine tooth comb being like, hey, Bobby, did that go up by, by one or by none? And, or, or when you know, things were like a really sm- small change, you know, it's like, yeah. what, what happened here? Oh, wait, my list is now 50 points off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what did change? Uh, so they saw some pretty significant points drops, notably on the things that got taken. Usually usually when you see points drops, it's usually the stuff that's not getting a lot of a lot of uh, look in. But Custody Guard, Custody Wardens, uh, Alaris, uh Praetors, Virtus Praetors, not not getting as much, but the the captain on Dawn Eagle jet bike went down forty points. I'll say that again, forty points, and then twenty points apiece on uh, Custody Guard and Wardens. Like uh, they are absolutely back to being very well priced, very well costed. In addition, their special rule, uh, their army rule, does something again <laughs> because it used to be they got a four up, feel no pain against mortal wounds, but then all the mortal wounds got taken away and changed into devastating wounds, yep. and so then it didn't do anything for three months. Well, now. Their four plus feel no pain works against devastating wounds, and so they are back to being extremely, extremely devastatingly resilient army. Because it was just so funny being like, "I am the peak of human evolution," and then you just got some mook with a devastating wounds. You know, you know the what's the well, well I'm a peak of evolution. The, meme? I roll like, sixes. Yeah. <laughs> that's a shame. Yeah, it's like just uh, just some peasant with a shotgun being like, "That's a shame." Devastating wounds. <laughs> uh, but yeah, absolutely. I think they are going to be in a very, very, very good place out of this. Venatari didn't get touched at all. And I know uh, people haven't been taking a lot of Venatari, but I think they're kind of a sleeper unit and function very well. I think they're exceptional. I, th- I think Venatari are very, very good. Yeah, I think they've been flying under the radar. Uh, and I think they actually went down on the in points on the last data slate and still didn't really make their way into the list because the, the faction itself wasn't that strong. But now the, I think the like for, for the reasons you just mentioned, the faction you know may see some more play, and that unit I think is primed to include. It's a four unit, not easy to always get their hands on, but uh, keep an eye out for them for sure. 
so Jakari, uh, what what are you, what are you thinking about Jakari? Uh, well, they have literally just been rewritten, essentially. They have just got a fresh new lease on life. Uh, a lot of effort has been put in to make their melee seem relevant because that was the... I, I don't think any faction took the changes uh, from 9th edition to 10th edition melee profiles as badly as Drakari did. It, used to, it, really felt, it really felt like in 9th edition, they had... Um, negative three negative four ap just just on tap you could just you could just reach out and just find a way to get it um and so you would just go through you didn't have a lot of strength but you could go if you rolled fives and sixes baby you could go through anything um with you know with enough ap and the armor save didn't matter to them um and now it felt like they went from majority ap like three and four to ap zero and one on a lot of their profiles and so when you're just a toughness three chassis you're throwing a bunch of you know ap zero attacks there was a lot of factions that you really kind of bounce off of um, especially when your strength isn't isn't very is, is pretty middling mm-hmm. and also oh, the toughness of the game has gone up as well so they needed they needed a shot in the arm to make their melee portions of their army feel good again the shooting portion is relatively okay um uh, like especially with uh you know pain, pain tokens giving you you know um re-rolls to hit in the shooting phase uh now um if you have a pain token on you also get plus one ap so that's what they've done to give them a shot in the arm in the melee phase in addition um the, sorry in the fight phase and the, in addition they've got a brand new detachment that all rewards the use of transports which is just chef's kiss drakari 101 <laughs> the flotillas baby uh, i know a friend of the show Scari seemed pretty happy from his reactions today uh i sent him a text message asking what he thought about it and the response i got was <laughs> so i think he's pretty excited <laughs> <laughs> I was a faction expert. We've had him on the show before, and certainly friend of the show, and been real strong player in Jakari. And you know, this this should wake up a lot of Jakari players that are out there. The the fans, absolutely. The yeah. Uh, demons. I'm gonna jump to demons, and we talk maybe a little about world leaders, and you know, some of the uh, probably corrections in that thing. But demons, um, blue scribes and nerdlings up. Which is which is probably just a nod to the fact that everyone was taking them as allies, mm-hmm. and maybe that needed to be uh, noticed, witnessed, kind of thing. But most of the other units went down. I mean, I'm not like most of the units went down. Yes, so we saw a lot of them, a lot of their units going up um, recently. So in the last in the last patch or the last uh, balanced data slate, especially a lot of their greater demons went up, and then they had some points drops. And now I think it was realized that there was a bit of a cliff after the greater demons. So the greater demons for the points brought just a sheer weight of stats uh, to a to a list that could be very powerful, very overwhelming. Essentially, like a uh, a, a pseudo knights list. You know, they're not quite big knights, but they're a lot more than little knights. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. they're somewhere in the middle there, and so they were very awkward for a lot of armies to deal with. And so they got pointed uh, pretty heavily, and not quite enough things went down around them to make the rest of the army feel very well rounded. So there was a bit of a gap between their best and the next best. Uh, but now they've really given you a lot of options. Blood letters, a price to sell. Um, uh, blood crushes as well, a very, a very appealing, very uh, price to move. Um, I really like what they've done with nerglings. Like they put them up five points, but they didn't kill them. Like they didn't, they didn't knock them out of the game which was my fear my fear was that because everyone took so many of the good demon units in other chaos armies that they'd have to point those by how good they were you know for chaos exactly right and therefore that would really hurt demon players but that, they've done it very cleverly because they've also added a caveat that if you do take demons as allies you have to offset the gods so if you if you want to take the blue scribes you have to have a zinch battle line unit to offset the blue scribes so you've got to take a horror unit 
if you want to take the blue scribes or the changeling, which really, really makes it a lot more interesting. I thought, of course, Thousand Suns are laughing because that's what they were doing anyway, because you know, <laughs> this is inch. Uh, so it doesn't hurt them even. So it's very clever the way they've done this, by the way. Um, but what this really means is that most likely people just take Nerglings. <laughs> <laughs> when it's all said and done people are just like ah oh, i guess i'm just gonna take more nerglings um, which is fine like they're not they weren't the they're very good for the points but they weren't like adding an x factor you know lone operative unit into an army that couldn't get it otherwise and so therefore got a huge yeah. different lever to pull nerglings can be everywhere that's thematic that's okay it's kind of fine um they're you know we're pretty good at dealing with with nerglings now um so yeah i think they've done they've, they haven't done demons dirty uh, there's a lot of D words in there. <laughs> well, I, I've just seen a lot of demon players kind of rejoicing in the fact that they I mean, like, even calling out demons are back. And as demons have been on the, you know, on the outs for a little while, you know, you haven't seen those lists competing at the at the top tables in months after the changes. And I think that if you yeah. push a list, if you do push a codex, you know, from from the top to obscurity, you've gone too far. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And uh, it seems like there's been uh, a shift back. I mean, there. I mean, there. There should be lots of like soul grinders now, 190 points. And I think they've kind of been like hovering on the on the edge of really playability. Mm. I mean, if you want to take a huge unit that is just a bundle of stats that won't die, might not kill anything, but good lord, is it just going to sit on an objective and be frustrating? It's a based, great unclean one. A great well, unclean one for 230 and and or a soul grinder. They're both just going to soak up the board. Just like here's this board. And here is just a footprint of monsters that's just chunked it all up for you. Yeah. Their base size is the size of the objective. Yeah, it's huge. It's ridiculous. So you know you got to you have to come over there and deal with them if you're going to. So right. I think they're they're very they're very worth it. Yeah, I mean, and I, I wasn't joking, I wasn't being facetious about the great unclean one as well. Two hundred thirty points for a great unclean one. That's that's pretty attractive. Not that the great unclean one's attractive. You know, you know what I mean. <laughs> you know uh, even the special character Rodigus, two hundred thirty points. <laughs> yeah. uh... No, no premium points for Erotigus. So there's a lot of, uh, I guess, room for the demon players to to fish about and try mm. to figure out some things, which is cool. Yeah, you know, I like seeing a variance in demon list. And it looks, it look to me looks like there's enough point reductions across the board to where you might not see just that one demon list. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I think there's there's a good multi god list. I think there's a pretty good corn list that you could pull together, um, or a majority corn list that I think is pretty attractive. Actually, I think I think the, the playbook's pretty wide open. There's there's a lot you can do. do you, have you guys played against horrors recently? Not recently. Um, I'm trying to think when the last time I played against horrors. Uh, I mean, I guess yes. They're so annoying. Three inch deep striking a unit of ten pink horrors onto an objective and just being like, oh my god. <laughs> it's going to take me like three turns to kill this nonsense this absolute all nonsense unit a... all the splits man yeah. and if they're all a little bit above average you're like yeah, I guess we're there all game congrats you're, it's your objective yeah. I'm leaving bring them down turn, turn two or three and then it's like it's okay well there's no more turns left yeah yeah. Um, yeah I'm actually a big fan of horrors I'll have to wait and see how the rest of uh, rest of the zinch portion shakes out uh, but yeah I like horrors they've struck me as being really good on paper but I've not seen them play out the way you're describing went, but maybe you know maybe wrong. They, i'm just trying to see if they went down no they didn't go down they're still 140 yeah. um quickly we'll talk about world leaders i know we're jumping around so sum up 
is there's been a lot of changes across the board and uh, it, i don't think it changes necessarily the identity of the armies of anything but there's definitely been a lot of changes to bring up some of those underperforming armies mm. and see if they get a shot at cracking that 50 50 55 win rate across the board we shall see world leaders there's been some will they won't they discussions about can exalted a bounds going rhinos even though the a bound could not go the regular eight bound couldn't go in rhinos. okay continue <laughs> well you know sometimes i'm going to defend the the uh read is or yeah, rule is written, read is written uh, group out there because when you're when you're traveling to events, sometimes you only have you know what is printed there as your go-to. You can't go with what the intent is. You don't know how people play in certain regions, especially if you're traveling there or whatever. You kind of kind of have to assume that you have this this uh, this text that you and your opponent or the the organizer can interpret. And there was a little bit of a seemingly, you know, some, I want to say gray error because I want to ca- characterize it, uh, an ability for some of these models to go in rhinos when it didn't seem like the intent was to allow them to do that. But it didn't say that. Would they have to like lie flat to fit? <laughs> you do have to kind of suspend disbelief with <laughs> models and transports in 40K or <laughs> models and transport models mm-hmm. in 40K. Uh, I do like how it gets played with every now and then, like how um, Ogren wouldn't go in Chimeras, you know, or how Terminators can't go in Rhinos. I mean, but have you seen Rhinos? There's no way 10, like, World Eaters are fitting in that thing. Yeah, right. There's no, yeah, 10 or 11 or whatever. No, it's not happening. But yet, somehow. Even the smaller, you know, 28 millimeter, older generation, and then you look, the Rhinos were even smaller then, too. So, (laughs) it's never worked out. But then again, I'm just going to say it, uh, make a real world connection right now. I was looking at an old shell of a, a an old BMP-2 recently, right? That's a, a Ruster, Russian, Eastern European, I mean, initially built by the Russians, uh, armored personnel carrier. And the fact that they argue they can fit 10 people in that, and even our own vehicles that we've got in, uh, in, in, in our military that... We can say we can fit a number of people in, and you'd be surprised what you can fit in some of these things. Um, it's just, it's really just hard to believe. <laughs> you do. You got to want it real bad, real bad. Oh, it's like trying to get in a, with a photo booth with your squad. It can be difficult. <laughs> Something. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But anyway, they that's been clarified to where you, you can't do that. And I know that some players were doing that and didn't think anything of it because that's what it said. And, you know, can't fault them for that. And um, what this what, you know, clarifications and publishes publications like this do, you know, open to the to the for free for the wide audience is it gives us that kind of new text to refer to to be that that um, Rosetta Stone or whatever. And I'm happy that we have that because, you know, if we all know what to expect, we have a more consistent experience when we're playing. Um, big changes. Sorry, Eldar players. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sorry. Yeah, <laughs> most of us aren't sorry. Um, I, if, if I had to say, I think Eldar's going to be just fine. Yeah. I think they, their index is deep enough um, that they will be able to pivot into a bunch of other stuff. I mean, I, uh, like... I think the avatar of Kane is better than the Incarn now, which is cool because I like the model better, so I'm going to see it more, much yep. preferred. I think uh, Wraithguard and Night Spinners are now no longer ubiquitous; they're no longer auto takes. And as soon as you detach, as soon as you like, like let go of having to take those things, you're like, oh my god, I've got so much army I can. I have 500 points left. You know that's outrageous. Yeah, yeah. And then you're like, well, I'm just going to take more. St- 
more nonsense to play the game. I'm going to take more hawks, more warp spiders, more shadow specters. I'm just going to have more war walkers, more vipers, more, you know, all these things. I've, I've just reeled off like six units there that are all, that are all very good and didn't get hit. Well, like, everything in the Eldari book kills Marines and what's out there a lot, Marines. Marines. Uh, you will see less of the spiky Marines now, I believe, because I think they took a bigger hit. If I had to say who took the biggest hit, Chaos Space Marines, I believe, did. Because I don't think their second, the, the next level down of their index is as good as the next level down of the Aldari index. I see. Yeah, I see. So just 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 by dint of what they're going to be, what they play, what the next things that they'll be playing with are, um, I really think Eldari is way better to, to roll with these punches. Whereas, like, s- straight up, every good thing in Chaos Space Marines got, uh, you know, a jab to the jaw. Uh, a curse cultist up in addition to getting nerfed like they have less objective secured now their objective secured one on the unit instead of two and they can only yeah they used to be able to resurrect in each command phase which i I always thought was just the easiest thing for them to nerf because that is absurd uh you know you get d3 models back in sorry you get whatever models back in in both your command phase and your opponents and so they're just unless you absolutely annihilate the unit they're just back at full strength at all times um chaos lords went up in addition to chosen going up both went up 20 points so it's 40 points more for that combo um the dark commune went up so if you wanted to take um you know the full unit of a cursed cultist and the dark commune it's at least 20 more points if not 30 uh forge fiend went up 20 points the only thing that went down was the corn lord of skulls and there was much rejoicing uh, even even obliterators who i think only only cop the whack because they are a good indirect fire piece once per game they are quite a good indirect fire piece they went up 10 points which i think is probably probably fine well, they were yeah. starting to make their way into lots of lists. But again, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm cool with things being powerful and stuff, you know, some percentage of an army being something that, that players gravitate to in mm. the list as like anchor centerpieces. But hey, uh, there we go. Well, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk a little bit about the end of the death volume two. See y'all. FTN is brought to you by Discount Games Inc. Please visit them at www.discountgamesinc.com. And don't forget to ask Jay about ways to save even more on your hobby projects. Hey everybody, we are back. Please check out our sponsors. Maybe consider hitting us up on Patreon as well. Sincere thank you to everyone that supports us there. Tons of different ways to support the show. Five-star reviews, likes, shares. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already on whatever platform you were listening to us on. It means a whole lot. Thank you very much. Um, In the Death Volume 2. One more volume to go. So, uh, but I will say that we're getting into that part of the story that everyone knows what happens or everyone knows like the, the, the high high notes, the, you know, the downbeats. I don't know how you're supposed to describe that part of the, um, the sacred timeline or whatever, that the result can't be changed. I mean, I think that's the thing, right? We've, we've talked about it before. This is the, the, the Horus heresy and the, the siege of Terra are taking what, up until previous to the books coming had really been just like a myth, right? We knew that it had happened and it said like the, you know, it's like the creation or whatever, like the earth had to come from somewhere. We knew something occurred to exist to make it happen. And now we've got the detailing of exactly how we got there. We know the emperor and Horus throw down and that Horus is defeated and the emperor is gravely wounded and he is put on the golden throne and he becomes quote unquote corpse emperor or whatever you want to call him. And he rules the Imperium for the next 10,000 years in, uh, you know, in, in this catatonic, semi-catatonic godlike state whatever we know that all happens and we also know sanguinius dies and it 
like you, you know, people like you, Paul, have just had to deal with it. You that's, just know that's happening. With the quick note of the emperors, like I do remember looking at those early pictures of the emperor. Well, okay, what I it took me a long time to really believe is the emperor. Like the emperor, you know, like the sketch. Him on the golden throne, like the skeleton on the throne. Like, what I was like, this can't be what everyone's fighting about. <laughs> <laughs> sure is. <laughs> Turns out it really is, you know? Uh, you, or, or at least what uh, the emperor lets us perceive it is or something. Who, who knows what the what the actual lore is. But um, there's that other picture in one of the earlier things where he is in his mortal form, you know, like with the bolter and in power armor and that kind of stuff. And it's, you know, they start to get the picture. And then you, you do realize that how that was then and then 40K is now and what start to realize what the grim dark really is. And the stories that were being told in the Horus Heresy, they, that is pre-Grim Dark. You know, that's it's kind of interesting, at least to me anyway, thinking thinking of that that perspective. And now we know that we're getting towards the this these stories to where everything starts to kind of go into that slow entropy uh, that becomes the Imperium in, in the current day. But leading up to this book here and these plot points is I found myself having to like emotionally get ready for uh, the the time when Sanguinius you know, has that confrontation. And as someone who has thought about it for decades now at this point, like absolute decades at this point, <laughs> um, am I ready for it? Like, is it going to meet my expectations as a reader? And having, I, having read it, uh, it did for me. I won't naturally, I won't give any details, but I was pretty satisfied with what ended up happening. Uh, yeah, well, I don't know if we were going to reveal when, uh, which book it happened in. <laughs> yeah, well, the third one's out, so I didn't, yeah, I didn't okay. say it was. All right, good. Yeah, yeah. They're all yeah. out. I didn't say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. I, I, having to tell you, prepare is like, am, am I ever, would I ever be satisfied? And, mm, and that's, that's and, true. so I'm getting to the point also where it's, if you are a super diehard fan and and this not, and I shouldn't even qualify with fandom. If you've just had it live as long as it has in your mind, where it's like your, it's your Roman empire that you think about or whatever, whatever the meme <laughs> is out there right now. Oh, uh, I love that one so much. You know There's what I mean? There's a lot to unpack all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, can it live up to your expectations? And then like, how do you get right to let it live up to your expectations? And I don't know that I'm there yet. <laughs> You're not ready. Yeah. I just, uh, well, okay. You know, I've certainly I've consumed it and loved it. I actually think it was really cool. And there's some cool elements in it and no spoilers. Um, but it is, it is different than maybe you thought about. And, and I think that's actually been the, the hallmark of the the entire series is that these moments like the council of ikea the mm. um the battle of Yulinor, you know there there are things like that that have been that have just been a little bit different than maybe what you might have expected and it's been cool and i feel like the same thing is going to be delivered with this scene and i will be all right with it but i don't know that i'm there yet and so as like i can't be the only one with these types of reservations uh, but I trust the authors and I am pleased with how everything is going. Uh, breaking up this story into, into three novels is probably something we could debate. So, I mean, one of the great things I would have, you know, you know, the, of all the things in the world, I would be happy to be a fly on the wall for 
it was when they got together all the authors that were going to be participating in the Siege of Terror and just yeah. plotted out what was going to happen. I would love to have been a fly on the wall just kind of for that and the one they did for the Horus Heresy where they just they just sat down all these great minds um, who, you know, are not only just brilliant authors but also fans of the, the game and the lore and the fluff and just watched them unpack and steer themselves through this. Um, I am of the opinion they didn't have much of a choice going in to the siege there were so many story threads just threads yeah left there just there was just so much to tie off it was such a monumental task i almost wish they had you know finished up some storylines pre the siege just so we could have like a bit more of a streamlined linear go of things yeah um because i mean there have been times where i've felt frustrated because i'm i mean i'm i'm very thirsty to want to know what happens and then i'm like I didn't want a chapter about this person. I wanted a chapter about this person. That, and that's just We me. live in the in the immediate yeah. now. Like our, our yeah. whole people we want immediate. We want on demand. We want to skip exactly the part right. that we like and and do that. But you gotta think Spot on. it's and hard to with, put your to put yourself in that position of like, oh well someone actually yeah. wants this chapter that we're reading right now. Out there, hundred percent out there, every story thread that they had going into the into the siege, there would have been a multitude of people who were absolutely fans of, you know? Mm-hmm. And just because I've got my favorites doesn't mean they shouldn't get their time in the sun, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, there was times where I was like, my Lord, there is a lot before I get to the bit that I was after. Um, <laughs> and not saying any of the bits on the way there weren't good. I was just heat-seeking missile going for this plot point. I wanted to see this thing happen, this thing that I've always been a fan of, I've always wanted to see occur. You know, big fan of Loken, big fan of, yeah. um, you know, a bunch of uh, the overwhelming majority of you know, the non-Primark characters right now are the ones I'm, I'm more excited about and mm-hmm. I have been. Like, I was... Because uh, you don't you know, know about what's... their uncertainty. Like, they could actually correct. have twists and turns with those characters, whereas yep. the, was the Primarchs are almost, you know, constants that have to exactly right. plot along this this linear storyline. And they're all there. Khan, Sigismund, Araman, um, Erebus. They're all there. All those, like, you know, um, anti-heroes, heroes, everything in between. And it's fantastic. Um, you know, I, I, I may go through... You know, I may do something crazy when uh, when I get to the end of the of part three. I may just go through and just like make a make a mental note and just try and read like Loken's journey through the siege from start to finish. Oh. You know, mapped out through every book, stuff like that, or, or something similar like for Abaddon or or whatnot. But I think that'll be a really cool thing to do. That would be fun. It's and it, the characters inspire you. The authors inspire you to do that. And that's happening in this in this book too. And I'm I'm really looking forward to getting deep into the final chapter. And, and, you know, and then, you know, I mentioned what that moment for me is, but if there's going to be those other moments that, that it may not happen exactly like you've built it up in your mind, but I think, and it's not me defending them or whatever, cause they don't need it cause it's been so cool, but like the authors and the editing staff have done just an amazing job of delivering the, the emotional moments and gravity of the story that has been, yeah. you know, told over the last 40, 40 years. I don't mind defending them. Adam, you know what? You're going to read those characters. I know you already did, and you're going to like it. I mean, it's going to happen. Get, <laughs> it doesn't matter. You get some character shows up. You didn't want to read about that character, but you did. And now you know. It's in your head, man. It's not going away. You, you're afraid you know what? You, you right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't skip a sentence. <laughs> read it all, baby. Uh, but yeah, you're correct. It's just, yeah. But if anybody needs to form a support group after the fact, you know, wants to talk about some of these plot points, you can hit hit us up and uh, we'll be happy yeah, to Yeah, don't discuss. invite me unless you want a WWE match on war because you're going to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> but check with us if we're caught up as far as you are, though, first before any spoilers get, get re revealed. It's a, it's a, but yeah, it's, it's been a it's been a heck of a ride. Uh, really, really, it really enjoyed has. it. And Man, I, I, I live through this like it's it's awesome. The only thing I'm willing to speculate on is: Are they going to do the scouring next? Are we going to get a, a scouring series? Man, I, I hope we go back to like the unification wars. I just want that. I want that. Yeah, the crusade would be really tight. I mean, the, there's tons of stuff to explore. Scouring would be a great period. I thought the beast series was a great kind of jump. I, yeah. I didn't even, I'll be honest, while I was reading the Horse Heresy books and then they started to release the beast series, I didn't see that coming. Like, I didn't see them focusing on that period. I was like, man, we haven't even gotten to the Siege of Terra and we're already jumping into the, the this time period of the beast, which was pretty remarkable. All things together, was it the ecclesiarchy wars and stuff in there too? Right? Is it... um, the the beast definitely has like aspects of that. The development and like again, without ruining it, there are there's clearly some some holdovers from you know the the Horus Heresy time frame into that time frame, and it, it was pretty awesome. And then here I am over here just being really excited about the infinite and the divine. Yeah. As you should be. As I'm should almost be. I'm almost done it and like the number of times that I have laughed out loud at just the really dry kind of humor in the they book. did really well with that. Oh, it's it was so good. good. I don't think that I've ever read besides like orc stuff, I've never read a funny black library book before and this one is just it's chef's kiss it's and so you know good. a lot of the the old world stuff has similar levels of humor and so i'm i'm with you i really appreciated that that back and forth that they had in that and it, it was good it was definitely a lot of comedy aspects to it i just love that it's so subtle in the infinite and the divine like you could blink and you'd miss the funny bits yeah i don't know what that's about but yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh. So this is good stuff to look forward to. End of the Death Volume Three just came out in my release. Uh, so maybe, maybe we'll get a review after the whole thing. Maybe maybe we'll try to talk to some authors again. That might be fun. The next few months or so. Uh, I don't want to get too deep into like if I if I sit here and speculate, I might run the risk of spoilers, and I don't want to do that. So might as well <laughs> let's go ahead and wrap it up. <laughs> Uh, but it's like an open new world out there with the balanced data slate out there. Uh, nobody's list really, I think, is unchanged if you were playing in, in tournaments. Yeah. Yep. Every, everybody gets to go back to the drawing board and have some fun looking back, digging through, uh, trolling at times for some bottom feeding options. Uh, and even like me, my list that I've been playing with and having a lot of success and a lot of fun with is a non-standard list. But I had some of those core units in them, like you know the the solid performer units aggressors and stuff like that in there so like i've got to change like even though i was playing i was playing an off meta list and i still got to well, change. i was i was playing heaps of uh inceptors and scouts and uh, that's all gonna change too also <laughs> like you know aggressors i'm now like they would they used to be ubiquitous in every army now i'm not so sure that could be interesting to see what takes their slot probably still gonna be aggressors it must still be aggressors yeah <laughs> <laughs> but everything around it now has to change because of the stuff you're talking about the scouts and the inceptors like those are yeah. difference and you know we've we've seen gladiators like right there on the uh on the rail waiting to, to shine and you know maybe that's something that does but anyway, that'd be something for Absolutely. Us to, to talk about next mm. week or the yeah we should have a show next week we'll uh, we'll see uh but it's been a pleasure talking to y'all thanks for hanging out anybody else got anything we want to add before we wrap up i'm gonna take that as a no we'll see y'all next week everybody <laughs> have a good night see you. bye everybody
our craft worlds are sentient beings. These hosts are not. Better luck next time, monkeys. <laughs>